Very good morning to you all. Welcome. And uh, happy Mother's Day to the mothers here this morning and the mother figures, isn't it? Aunties and uncles. I suppose every female here has got a role to play as a mother figure, isn't it? Uh, for those of you who don't know, my name's Dav, and I'm the minister of the church. And as a church, we're hearing preaching from the book of Mark at the moment on Sunday mornings. And today we're in Mark, what chapter 6? Mark chapter 7. Mistake there, Mark chapter 7, and verses 24 to 30. And if you'd like to follow in your Bibles, it's on page 1010. And uh, it'll also be on the screen as well. So just seven verses, Mark chapter 7, verses 24 to 30. Let us hear the word of God. Jesus left that place, which was likely Capernaum, by the Sea of Galilee. So Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it. Yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her. For it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed, and the demon had gone. Amen. Praise God for his word, and may he bless the reading and the preaching of his word. Now, in Mark chapter 7, verses 1 to 23, Jesus spoke on the issue of what is clean and unclean. That was his main point in Mark chapter 7, verses 1 to 23. What is clean and what is unclean? We get a summary, really, of what he said in Mark chapter 7, verses 14 and 15. Listen to what Jesus said here. Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. So it's so important that we understand this as well. Verse 15, nothing outside a person can defile them, can make them unclean by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. Isn't that deep? Isn't that profound? Do you understand those words? Don't worry too much if you don't. 
because Jesus' disciples didn't even understand those words. Jesus' disciples just didn't get what Jesus said in Mark chapter 7, verses 14 and 15. So then Jesus gives them this explanation. He sort of explains this sort of parable in Mark chapter 7, verses 18 to 23. Are you so dull? He asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them, can make them unclean? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out to the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. Jesus is saying that it's our hearts that make us unclean. Now, the heart that Jesus is speaking about here, is he talking about the organ that makes blood around our body? No, that's not the heart that Jesus is talking about here. The heart that Jesus is speaking about here is the spiritual part of us, our mind, our ideas, and our desires. And every human being, every man, woman, boy, and girl born on this earth need a new heart. We all need new minds, new ideas, new desires. We all need a new heart. My friends, everyone born on planet earth, apart from Jesus, have got spiritual heart disease. Now, heart disease is the world's most common cause for death, isn't it? In 2017, tragically, 8.2 million people worldwide died of cancer. Isn't that sad? Isn't that tragic? 8.2 million people in 2017, all over the world, died of cancer. What do you think the figure is for heart disease? It's double that. In 2017, 17 million people worldwide died of heart disease. And do you know what, my friends? Spiritual heart disease brings about eternal destruction, eternal death, separated from God forever. But the good news I've got to tell you this morning is that Jesus can make us clean by giving us new spiritual hearts. Jesus is like the expert surgeon at performing spiritual heart transplants. Isn't that amazing? Jesus is the surgeon performing heart transplants. He can give us new spiritual hearts. What do we read in Ezekiel chapter 36? This is 25 to 27. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart 
and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Amen. Isn't that a wonderful passage of scripture? Isn't it a wonderful promise? And I just need to stop for a moment and ask the question, have you been given a new heart? Have you had a spiritual heart transplant? And if this morning you're thinking, I, I don't know. Well, I've got to be blunt here. I don't know means no. If you're not sure, then you need to make sure this morning. Jesus can give you a new spiritual heart this morning. If you believe that he died for all your uncleanness on the cross, if you believe that he rose from the dead to give you new life, if you turn from your sins and turn to Jesus, if you repent and ask him this morning, Jesus, give me a new heart, create in me a new heart, he'll hear you and he'll answer you. Trust in Jesus, repent and believe in him this morning to have this new heart. My friends, you don't want to meet God without a new heart. You don't want to die. You don't want to take your last breath, your last heartbeat, without having a new spiritual heart. Well, after this discussion about clean and unclean, in Mark chapter 7, verses 1 to 23, in verses 24, Jesus decides to go to a place called Tyre. What do we read there in Mark chapter 7, verse 24? Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. Uh, And I've got a a small map here. Maybe it's not very clear. Can anyone see where Tyre is? Maybe one of the children. Can you see where Tyre is on that map? Is it north, south, east, west, middle? It's at the top there. Can you see it? Tyre. That's Phoenicia over there. So down in the south, you've got Bethlehem, and you've got Jerusalem. And then north, then, you've got Nazareth. And that's Capernaum there. So Jesus went from Capernaum by the Sea of Galilee all the way over to this city here, Tyre. He went over to there. Why did Jesus do that? Well, I believe that Jesus wants to further illustrate his point about clean and unclean. He basically wants to take his disciples on a field trip. Now, you love going on trips, don't you, children? Yeah? My daughter went on a trip to Windsor Castle last week, and she loved it. I think they've been studying the royal family or something in school. Is that right? So they took them to Windsor Castle. Couldn't think of a better place, isn't it, if you're studying about the royal family. So it's almost as if Jesus is asking the disciples, you still don't get it, you, about clean and unclean. Tell you what, come with me. We're going on a field trip. We're going to Tyre. And they're like, (gasps) Now these two cities, Tyre and Sidon, are mentioned together a lot in the Bible, always in connection with their judgment. There's loads of passages of scriptures that I could turn to, but I'll just turn to uh, Zechariah from the Old Testament to begin with. Zechariah chapter 9, verses 1 to 4. 
The word of the Lord is against the land of Hadrach and will come to rest on Damascus. For the eyes of all people and all the tribe of Israel are on the Lord. And on Hamath too, which borders on it, and on Tyre and Sidon. Though they are very skillful, Tyre has built herself a stronghold. She has heaped up silver like dust and gold like the dirt of the streets. But the Lord will take away her possessions and destroy her power on the sea. She will be consumed by fire. And even Jesus refers to the judgment of Tyre and Sidon as kind of like a yardstick for the judgment other people will receive. Jesus is saying, Tyre and Sidon, the judgment they will receive on Judgment Day, that's going to be bad. That's like a yardstick. You don't want to receive that judgment. What does he say in Matthew chapter 11? This is 20 to 22. Then Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. For I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. I don't know, where would you consider the unclean city on planet Earth this morning? Maybe you'd say London, certain parts of London. Maybe certain parts of Soho or somewhere like that. Maybe Bangkok in Thailand. Amsterdam in the Netherlands. Or maybe Las Vegas in America. What is the most unclean city on planet Earth this morning? Well, in Jesus' day, it would have been Tyre and Sidon. But Jesus considered Chorazin and Bethsaida to be the worst. To be the worst. So Jesus in verse 24, arrives at what was considered to be the most unclean city in the world. And then he's met with even more uncleanness. What do we read in verse 24 to 26? The second half of verse 24 through to verse 26. So he, that's Jesus, entered a house and did not want anyone to know it. Yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, As soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syrian, Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. So Jesus is met by a Gentile, or a Greek woman, born in Syrian, Phoenicia. So she's not a Hebrew. She doesn't belong to the community of Israel. And this woman is in a place that was considered the most unclean city 
on planet Earth. And she was born and bred there. And if that wasn't bad enough, she's also got a daughter who's possessed by an unclean spirit. So we've got an unclean place, the city of Tyre. We've got an unclean woman and an unclean spirit. Uncleanness to the max, isn't it? And Jesus goes out of his way to go to the city of Tyre, doesn't he? He goes from Capernaum all the way up to Tyre. Why? Why does Jesus go to the most unclean place on planet Earth to meet an unclean woman or someone who would have been considered unclean, where there is an unclean spirit? Why does Jesus do that? Because his heart is full of love and compassion. He knows who he's going to meet there. He has compassion on this woman and her daughter. And Jesus wants to further illustrate the point to his disciples that it's not outward things that makes us unclean. And I don't know about you, but I love the attitude of this woman as she falls at Jesus' feet and she begs Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. Completely different to the hypocritical Pharisees, as Luke taught us so well earlier. Wasn't that so helpful? Two different ways to meet Jesus. We can meet him with pride and hypocrisy, or with humility and faith. And I believe that this woman teaches believers a lesson on how to pray. This woman teaches believers on how to pray for loved ones who haven't had new, clean hearts yet. How many of you have written Mother's Day cards today or recently? Hey, well done. And I'm sure someone here Maybe many of you here this morning probably wrote this in your Mother's Day card, to the best mother in the world. There's lots of best mothers in the world, aren't there? (laughs) But you probably wrote that, didn't you? To the best mother in the world. Well, I believe that this um, Syrophoenician woman is an example of how to be the best mother in the world. So mothers, if you want to know Mother figures, if you want to know how to be the best mother in the world, this is our example. To be the best mother in the world is to fall in front of Jesus and beg him to give new hearts to our children. Here's a question. When was the last time you did that? When was the last time you were on your face in front of Jesus begging him to make your children clean? When was the last time as a church we were doing that? Properly praying now. Not the nonsense that Christians usually do. Actually on our faces before God, begging him, please make my child clean. Give my child a new heart. You're the only hope. What an example for us. What a godly mother there. But how does Jesus respond to her plea? What do we read in Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 to 23? 
Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. That must have been awkward. Didn't answer a word. I wonder how long that silence lasted for. And I wonder if Jesus there is waiting for the disciples to reply. He said, come on then, disciples. What do you think should be said to this woman? You've heard my teaching on clean and unclean. Have you got it yet? But what did the disciples do? So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away. Jesus must have been like, you really don't get it, you. Send her away, dirty dog. Send her away. She keeps crying out after us. The disciples still don't understand what clean and unclean is. But on the surface, what Jesus says to this woman seems a bit strange, doesn't it? What do we read in verse 27? Jesus said, First, let the children eat all they want, he told her. For it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. And you can almost imagine that the disciples would have been nodding their heads here. Yes, 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 dirty dog. Don't give her anything. Send her away. Is Jesus calling this poor woman who's lying on the floor begging him to drive out a demon out of her daughter? Is Jesus calling her a dirty dog? It doesn't sound like the kind of thing Jesus would do, does it? And it doesn't go with the context either, does it, of Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 30. So Jesus has been teaching us that it's not outward things that makes us unclean, but it's the heart. So I believe verse 27 is a metaphor. It's just a metaphor. And the Greek word for dog in verse 27, is kunarion, kunarion, which means a small household dog, like a puppy that you'd have in the house. It's not the word kuon. So it's kunarion, not kuon, which means a wild, dirty dog. And the Bible does use the word kuon, a wild, dirty dog, to describe wicked and evil people but not kunarion, a little dog, you know, a puppy, a household dog. And what do we read in John chapter 1? This is 11 to 13. He, that's Jesus, Jesus came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. That is Israel, the nation of Israel. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, 
or a husband's will, but born of God. And this woman seems to be putting her faith in Jesus. She seems to be receiving Jesus and putting her faith in him. So this woman seems to be doing something that would give her the right to be called a child and not a dog. She's doing something that gives her the right to be called a child of God. So what's going on in verse 27? What's going on in verse 27? Well, Jesus could be testing this woman, sort of pushing her away just enough to see how committed she is. Because Jesus is after wholehearted commitment, isn't he? He's after wholehearted commitment. Could you imagine it was the 20th of August, 1994, when I called on the name of the Lord to be saved? Could you imagine if I said, um, Jesus, I, I quite fancy becoming a Christian. Uh, I, I'm a little bit interested. Uh, can you come into my heart and my life? Um, anyway, let me know. Do you think I'd have become a Christian with a heart and faith like that? No. Or could you imagine on the day that uh, I proposed to my wife, Hannah, if I said, um, do you fancy getting married? What, what do you think? Should we give it a go? She said, no, you're all right. No, I had to get down on the floor, didn't I? Down on one knee. And I had to say to my wife, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. And that's how we become Christians, isn't it? We go down on our knees, maybe not literally, but we humble ourselves and we say, Jesus, I want to spend the rest of my life and eternity with you. Isn't it? He's after wholehearted commitment and devotion. So it could be that Jesus could be testing this woman a little bit just to see how committed she is. But I also think that Jesus is testing the disciples here. He's just testing the disciples to see if they understand what clean and unclean means. Because the disciples should have turned around and said, but she is a child, It's almost as if, as soon as Jesus said, first, let the children eat all they want, but it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs, the disciples should have turned around and said, but she is a child. She's behaving like a child of God. She's coming to you in faith. The disciples should have said, even though... Even though she is a gentle woman, even though she's born and bred in Syrian Phoenicia, even though she's living in the most unclean city in the world, she can still be made clean, can't she, Jesus? That's what you've been teaching me. And then Jesus would have turned and said, you've got it. Well done, isn't it? You understand now what clean and unclean means. But that's not what happened, was it? The disciples still have no understanding of what clean and unclean is. But I just love the woman's reply to Jesus. How would you have replied if Jesus would have told you, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs? How would you have replied to Jesus? 
if he said that to you? You'd say, well, if that's how you're going to talk, then you can forget it. (laughs) But I love the way she replied to Jesus' words. What does she say in verse 28? Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Now, I don't think that Jesus is calling this woman an unclean dog. But the disciples probably think that she's an unclean dog. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law would have considered her an unclean dog. I think what's really powerful, she considers herself to be an unclean dog, unworthy, doesn't she? Isn't that so powerful? What humility that is, isn't it? And the truth of the matter is, we're all unworthy, aren't we? We're all unclean. But that's the starting point. That's the starting point, isn't it? We come to Jesus saying that we're unworthy. We come to Jesus confessing our uncleanness. That's how we get help, isn't it? That's how we get help. When I lived in Swansea, uh, we made a lot of friends with um, heroin addicts, didn't we? We didn't sort of join in with them, you'd be glad to know. But we made a lot of friends with heroin addicts, reaching them with the gospel. We saw lots of people transformed. And that's the line they would often say is, um, how long have you been clean? That's the sort of question they'd ask each other. Isn't, it? isn't that interesting? How long have you been clean? And how does a drug addict get clean? Well, I think I'm right in saying that first and foremost, they need to admit that they're unclean, that they've got a problem, isn't it? The first step to changing is admitting, I've got a problem, I'm in a mess, I need help. That's how you become a Christian, isn't it? And that's how you go on as a Christian. Every day admitting to Jesus, I'm in a mess, I need help. I'm unclean. I've sinned again. You become a Christian by repenting and believing. And you go on being a Christian by repenting and believing. So outwardly, there was no hope for this woman. She was considered unclean. She was living in a place that was considered unclean. And her daughter had an unclean But Jesus sees this woman's heart, doesn't he? And what does he see? He sees a heart of faith and humility. This woman believed that it was only Jesus who could change her situation. And she was willing to come to Jesus and humiliate herself on the floor by begging him for help. And how does Jesus respond? when she comes to him in faith and humility? How does Jesus respond to us when we come to him in faith and humility? Let's close with verses um, 29 and 30. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. So Jesus grants us favor when we come to him in the same way as this Syrophoenician woman. Jesus grants us favor when we come to him in faith and humility. 
realizing we deserve nothing, realizing that he's the only hope for us. Before we spend some time in prayer, let's briefly recap what we've learned from this passage. Number one, it's not outward things that make us unclean. Not where we're from or where we live. It's not the outward things that make us unclean. It's our heart that makes us unclean, isn't it? Secondly, we have to come to Jesus like the Syrophoenician woman with hearts full of faith and humility. That's how we're going to pray in a moment, with hearts full of faith and humility. And then thirdly, Jesus grants us favor when we come to him in faith and humility.